Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Today is the last, ser- last part of this series called Pyromaniacs. And where are my pyros at? There's one of you. We can get along. All right. All right. I, I love starting fires, man. I love it. I, I mean, seriously... I've built some doobies of fires before, just doobies of fire. They're huge, you know, 20-footers, 30-footers, and then you started on fire? Come on, come on. Um, how many of you ever were like in Boy Scouts, though, you had to start a fire with like flint and steel? Did you ever have to do that? Yeah, it's, it's a pain in the butt, isn't it? And uh, I had to try to start that. I was an Eagle Scout, did all that, and, and I remember trying to start the fire, and it was just a pain. And, and I remember, you know, the guy saying, hey, just grab two sticks, rub them together. And that does, how many knows that? just doesn't work, right? Okay, unless they're matches, then it works great. And I'm like, I can't do this. I can't start a fire. And up at camp, they said, hey, we have a tool for you. And I'm going, great, I need a tool to be able to do this. And they give me this tool, and it looks like a bow. I don't know, any of you seen this before? It's a bow, and it's got a string. And you go horizontal, and it rubs into a little piece of wood. And hypothetically, it's supposed to get things to start on fire. Well, there's like 30 of us Eagle Scouts, not one of us could get it to work. <laughs> so, woo! So, I made a decision as a dad to be cruel to my children. Yeah. I told all my kids, I said, you know what? I said, if you can get a fire going without using a match, I'll give you 100 bucks. And so, there I came out, and one of the kids is like, Dad, I did it, I did it. And I'm like, there's no way. He's like, I didn't use a match, Dad, I used a lighter. That doesn't count. That, does, <laughs> that, that, that doesn't count. Okay, seriously though, who here has ever had trouble starting a fire? (laughs) Okay, 90% of us have and 10% of us lie. I want every single one of us to think about this. Think about that fire where you're up camping and and it's like just the crappiest weather in the world and it's like rainy and you're like, "Ah, I just wish I had a dirt bike or something, that kind of weather, you know, Memorial Day weekend half the time. And and you're going, man, what do we do? And you try to go out and you try to start a fire and all all the wood is what? It's wet. It's just wet. And you're like, how do I get this to start? And, and you're trying everything. It doesn't work. Or have you ever been where it's like super windy and you go out to try to light a fire and you got those little, you know, those little matches that burn yourself every time you start them and you can't get it started. And you're like, what in the world? Or have you ever cut down fresh wood or tried to start it on fire? How many teenagers in here have ever tried to like go start a tree on fire? You're like, well, it worked when I poured the gas on it, man. But after the gas was gone, it didn't light, dude. Yeah, you're right. It didn't. It's hard. And sometimes it's hard to start a fire. Where are we going? What are we talking about today? We've been talking about sharing your story the last five weeks. We've been talking about what that means to be a pyromaniac. God's the fire. And how do we spread that fire? And how many know, like, sharing your story, it's not just that easy. It's not, it comes easy for very few people to go and to just share your story. Some of us are like, man, I just, I just want to sit in my chair at church. I don't want anybody to talk to me. I just kind of want to hide. I'm good. You have a story, too, that God wants to utilize. Do you agree with me this morning? Say, yeah. Everyone has a story. And so here's what I want to do this morning. I want to challenge you. This is the last day we're talking about. Next week, we're going to appreciate um, our teachers and any support staff a part of the schools. Man, we want you here. Next week, you play a huge part um, of our community. If it wasn't for our school district, God, St. Francis would not be St. Francis, right? So what I want to challenge us this morning is for each of you to go and start a fire this week. I want you to have the guts and the boldness to say, I can do it. Well, I'm introverted, Pastor Chris. Yes, yeah, so was I. No, you're not. I used to be. All right. 
Well, Pastor Chris, I, I don't know if I can do this. I, it's, it's too hard. People reject me. Yeah, get used to it. Okay. Um, yeah, well, I, I don't know who to talk to. Ask God. He'll show you. I don't want any excuses. I want, I'm asking every single one of you to take a leap of faith this week and go and start that fire. Go have that conversation. Share your story. Let me show you why. Let's unpack it this morning. And so if you have a Bible, if you have the U version, open up to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We'll get to the scripture in just a moment. But in chapter 3, here's what has taken place so far. You have a priest named Eli who had been the priest over the temple, kind of like pastor of the church in today's world. But he was in charge and responsible for everything in the temple. He was to take care of it, all of that, and eventually pass that on to a new priest. Well, before this chapter, at the beginning, you see Hannah, who is Samuel's mom. She shows up and she says, man, I want to, she's praying because she can't have kids. She's like, Lord, will you please allow me to have kids? And God performs this miracle, allows her to have a baby, names him Samuel, which we'll get to what his name means. It's really cool. And she has Samuel, but she makes this covenant with God. And a covenant is more than just a promise. It says, no matter the circumstances, I'm going to commit with this. And so she says to God, I give you my child. In other words, I dedicate to you Samuel. He's all yours, God. You know what happens when we say that with our life? God shows up, doesn't he? And how many of us just love it when God shows up? Nobody, one person. (laughs) I do, usually, but sometimes it gets a little scary. Like, okay, God, what are you doing? What are you speaking to me? What's going on? What What are you trying to get accomplished in my heart? Well, usually he's trying to utilize our story to bless somebody else. So we find this part of the scripture. Here's what has taken place. When Samuel became of age, he had to actually go to the temple, which is kind of like the church, Okay, so I'm kind of like Eli. Derek's kind of like Samuel, all right? We're not related, even though he calls me dad, okay? We're, makes me so, feel so flippin' old, man. Seriously, I'm not that old. And uh, one more year before 40. Jesus, I love you, help. And uh, in this, Samuel has to be there with Eli all the time. In fact, he's there through the evening. He's there to do whatever, whatever Eli asks. Derek does whatever I ask him to, okay? That's right. Scary, scary. But that's what takes place. That's what they do. And so we find this place where he's been, we don't know how long he's been with Eli, the priest by now, but he's training to be a priest. He is literally at the temple day in and day out because Hannah said, I'm going to give him onto you. I'm going to dedicate him to you. In fact, we use this scripture a lot of times to talk about baby dedications within the church. So let's pick up here, 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1. It says, the boy Samuel ministered, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, check this out, the word of the Lord was what? It was rare. And this is not talking about steak temperature, okay? This, this is talking like, they didn't happen very few times. There were not many visions. Word of the Lord was rare, not many visions. Sounds a little bit like today, in my opinion, Okay. If you were to ask people that don't go to church, people that, they're not the enemy, but how many of them would say to you, yeah, I hear the Lord's voice? How many of them would say to you, yeah, I I get visions and dreams of God speaking to me? Very few, very few. And so think of it like this. If God is the fire were to spread, we want to see that fire lit in people. We're not responsible for them hearing God's voice but we are responsible for creating a place for them to discover God's voice. Does that make sense? Say yeah, if that makes sense. Let's read on. Verse two. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. 
Verse 3, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of, of God was. Now, just to give a little context here, because um, I, like, I just like biblical stuff. It, historically, here's what's taking place. The lamp, when it would burn out the oil, it had clear olive oil in this lamp. And when it would get down to a certain point, what, what Eli would do is he'd say, Hey, Samuel! He would call out to Samuel. He said, Hey! And so Samuel would be like, What is it, Eli? Here I am. What? What, what do you want me to do? And then, you know, Eli would say to him, Hey, I need you to refill the candle because in the temple, part of the law was that candle could not go out throughout the evening. And so when it burnt down, he had to refill it. So we find out, why is that important in this story? We find out two things. One, the context is probably about three to four o'clock in the morning. So it's like early morning. How many of you, you're at your best at 3 a.m.? Yeah, not me either, man. No way. Okay, so, so think about that as we read the rest of the story. But the second part is, if you know anything about the historical context of what that lamp actually represented, it's that it represented Ruah Elohim, big fancy word. All it means is it represented the Holy Spirit of God. That's what it represented. And so they never wanted that to go out because without the power of the Holy Spirit, even we see in the Old Testament, man, we're nothing. Can I hear a good yeah this morning? Let's read on. Verses 4 through 6. Then the Lord called Samuel. The Lord called Samuel. I love this. Samuel answered. What did he say? Here I am. Here I am. And he ran to Eli and he said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I didn't call. Go back and lie down, kid. Derek, I didn't ask you to do that. No, that's not in there. So he went and he lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and said, Man, you must be getting old, bro. Like, here I am. You called me. Okay. My son, Eli said. They're like having, you know, like, what's going on here? You know, I did not call. Go back and lie down, kid. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are we not all waiting to hear God call us? All of us are. Would you agree or disagree that even those of us that maybe aren't Christian yet or those in the world are waiting for God to call them as well? Are they searching that? What are they searching for? It's our job to kind of help steer that path, isn't it? We all think we're waiting on God. But I have to tell you, man, I've been in the church long enough now where I think we've waited on God long enough. I think what God's doing is waiting on us. I think he's saying, all right, church, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to step up? Are you going to do church? Are you going to be the church? It's your option. So what I find so interesting is that God called him. When, when did God call him? He's exhausted. Three in the morning. Like if I was God, and I'm not, I would not choose three in the morning when somebody's completely exhausted to go after them. He's tired. He's worn down. Life has been tough. He's doing everything Eli the priest has asked him. And he's going, I'm, I'm just out of it. And that's when God decides to show up. How many know that's true in our lives? God shows up at like the most inopportune times, we think. That's what happens with Samuel. God's trying to get a hold of his heart. You know, I, I have to tell you this. Um, every time I read this, forgive me, you know, it says, here I am. Is there anyone else that going in your mind here i am rock me like anybody every time you're never going to read that the same it's pastor chris version right there there you go and i think the objection could be in this verse well pastor god only calls those who are prophets god only calls those who are dedicated 
God only calls those who are the evangelists or the teachers or, or whatever. Don't use that as an excuse. Watch this. I'm going to prove it to you right now. Prove it. That's not what he calls. Check this out. The next verse, verse 7. Samuel did what? Not yet know the Lord. He didn't know him. Was God speaking to those in the church or outside the church? He was speaking to those that didn't know him yet. He was speaking to Samuel. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. He didn't know God. He didn't know, he didn't even know who he was. Didn't even understand the voice that was taking place. How many of our friends who, who aren't in the Christian faith hear the voice of God, but they don't know how to discern what it is? Whose job do you think that is to help them? I'll just leave that there for a moment. Eli's. It's the pastor's job. No, it ain't. God, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he asked us to give others that opportunity. He asked us to go and give other people that opportunity to make a decision. He didn't call us to make, you know, to see people saved. He didn't say, go and make converts. That's not what he said. He said, go and make disciples. Huge difference. It's not our responsibility for that decision. But discipleship does not happen after somebody gets saved. It happens before it. And we have to realize that, that we're along for that ride as long as that person is sucking wind. Can I hear a good amen this morning? Come on, somebody. So let me say this. We have to realize and look at it, are we giving somebody that opportunity? Are we giving them that opportunity? In other words, we're all blessed. And I'll put this up on the screen, but we have to stop counting the blessings and actually share them. Okay, let's give them away. Let's give them away. And how many know, man, when you are counting your blessings, it's great to see that we're blessed, but I don't know about you, I want to see other people blessed. I want to see them live out their potential. I want to see them living out their purpose. I want to see them come alive in the faith. That's, that's my heart's desire. That's why, that's why I live. I want that in my family first, and then I want that with, with you, and I want that with our community, and I want that with our schools. I, I want to see that just take place. If you missed last week, man, we talked about that at the end of service for about 10 minutes. Can I give you just kind of a, I was going to share this at the end, but I want to share this right now. One of the things that I was thinking about during this is I was thinking about what, what could I say? And I was just praying. I said, God, what is it that I could say to like take you from a conviction of sharing your story to a commitment of, of doing it? You know, that, that's the toughest thing of a pastor. You get up, you share a message, you hope it brings life change. And I was going, God, how can, how can this do this in, you know, half an hour on Sunday morning? This is the only thing I could think of. Is, you okay if it just gets heavy just for a little bit? We'll bring it back. It's just going to get heavy just for a moment. Um, some of you knew my mom, and my mom passed away a year ago. Uh, she had stage 4 cancer. And uh, I'm, I'm not looking for a pity party or anything like that, but I know where she's at, you know? Here's how I know. You know, a month before she passed, I received a phone call, and she said, hey, I have stage 4 cancer. And uh, my heart broke. I was in tears. I went and spent as much time as I could with my mom. Some of you know the story. Some of you were there with me. And, and I just talked to her. And I, I shared the story of my faith journey. My mom, just so you know, she used to help Billy Graham sing at some uh, outreach events and a lot of things. And she kind of fell away from the Lord for a long time. And I remember sitting with her for these four weeks before she passed. And I asked her, and I just had a conversation with her. I said, what do you think? You know, and she goes, I think I have a few weeks left. And so I knew, like, I've got to talk to her about Christ. Like, I want my mom, to, I want her to know beyond knowing, and I know beyond knowing that she's going to be in heaven someday, you know, when I get there. And so we just talked, and I said, I said, hey, can you just tell me where you're at in your faith walk? And we talked for a while, and, and she said, you know, I've, 
I've recommitted my life. And, and it was just an amazing time that we had together and praying together and, you know, watched a lot of Twins games those last four weeks of her life that were amazing. They were amazing together. But here's, here's kind of the, the crux of the whole thing. Some of you, and we've been praying for a few people in our congregation who have cancer right now, and you're going through very similar things. And uh, I don't envy you. I'm standing with you, and we're praying for you, and Derek and I are praying for you. Our team is praying for you. But all of us who have dealt with that firsthand, I guarantee if any single one of us had a cure for that cancer, every single one of us would share that cure. Every single one of us. Every, every one of us, because we have the cure. So think of that motivation and go, you and I, I told you it was going to get heavy for a moment, you and I have the cure for death. So if we have the cure for death, what should we do with it? My prayer is that we would share it. That's how big of a deal, it's a huge deal. Yeah, we can have fun calling the pyromaniacs and talking, but when the rubber hits the road, man, we are all responsible for those people around us. And I want to get up and go, God's saying to me, man, every person you were responsible for to come to Christ, you did. Well, well done. If I miss it, man, I, I'm gonna, it's going to break my heart. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. If you're with me, say yeah. All right, let's keep going on here. Last part of verse 7 in Samuel chapter 16. The Lord, it says this, the Lord does not look, or way down, I'm sorry, chapter 16, verse 7. So way after this, I love this. It says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the what? Outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know why this is important? We're not to stop spreading the fire. We're not supposed to stop that. In fact, your story is the key to some people's prison. But you have to be attractional. Did you see that? What did it say? The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So we always think about, well, God's looking at the inside of my heart, so it's always about the heart. We miss that other part. What are people looking at? They're looking at you on the outside. They're going, I want to know if it's worth it to hear that story that person has. Does it match up with what they're saying? Does it match up? They want to know, does it, is it real? Is it real? Let's make it real for them because your key can open some people's prison. All right? Somebody's key opened mine. Somebody key, somebody's key opened yours. You know that to be true. Let's read on here, verse 8 through 10. A third time, a third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and he's like, here I am. Now you're singing it, aren't you? Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. Kudos to Eli. Kudos to Eli right here. Eli wasn't a perfect priest. He made some bad decisions and some bad discernment with bringing his sons on later. We won't get into that. You can read about it on your own. But right here, he was spot on. He realized what God was doing. It says here, verse 9, So Eli told Samuel, here's what to do. Go lie down, and if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and he lay down in his place. Samuel's chambers would have been close enough to Eli's where they could have heard each other during the night. You know, Eli would shout out to him. And then when he hears God, he's thinking, this has got to be Eli. How many times did, did God try to get his attention? Three. Three times. Three times. You see, you get to set the stage for God to speak to someone just like Eli did. Eli said, hey, whoa, I know what's going on here. I can see it. Let me show you that God's actually speaking to you. Let me show you. Let me walk alongside you and let me help you discern the voice of the Lord. Come on, guys. Have you ever seen somebody's 
world, things are happening, and you're going, I know exactly what's going on. God's trying to get a hold of your heart right now. Now, if you go up to him and you tell him that, they're not going to say, oh, I totally agree. I give my life to Jesus. Amen. Don't do that. Pray for them, but then get them to see it. You know what? If my wife comes up to me and tells me something I'm doing wrong, it doesn't go well in our house. We, we have great fights. That's how one of them starts usually. You know, that goes both ways. But if I get to the place where I realize it, you know, then it's easier. Okay? How many wives are like, oh my gosh, I totally know what you mean right now. Verse 10. The Lord came and he stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak for your servants listening. Speak. I want to know. Here I am. I'm listening. I'm listening. You see, Samuel's called to be the new priest and to take over for Eli. He's called to take that mantle on. There are people within your sphere of influence that I'll never have influence over, or other pastors or church leaders won't, but God has put them in your responsibility for such a time as this. They're your calling. They're your friends. That doesn't have to mean you got to get all weird and, you know, go like start laying hands on them and praying for them. And I, no, just befriend them. Walk alongside them. Be relational. Talk to them. Say, hey, man, start sharing your story. Start sharing it. I don't know how. We're going to get to that in just a moment. Before we end, let me share just one thing that's really cool. And that's this. Within the Old Testament, where we find the book of 1 Samuel, we see many times these books pointing to Jesus. You get into the New Testament, the books in the New Testament are actually pointing right at Jesus. And so all of the scripture before the New Testament, before Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, all of it is pointing to Christ. Every single part of it. There's, there's symbolism, there's parallels, there's so much cool stuff biblically that points to Jesus. One is right here with Samuel. In fact, there's two different ways. Uh, first is his name, Samuel. Remember Hannah dedicated him unto the Lord? His name, scholars debated this for years. What they can agree on his name, it actually means son of God. Isn't that cool? Samuel's name means the son of God. Not like the son of God, but a son of God. Because Hannah dedicated him. Does that sound like anybody we read about in the New Testament? I hope you say yeah, because that's Jesus. They're both dedicated to God. Here's Hannah, a little different circumstance, but says, I'm going to dedicate him unto the Lord. And then we see Jesus, he's dedicated when he's 12 years old by his mom at the temple. Same thing. Saying, God, he's yours to do your work. You know who the best storyteller was in the Bible? Come on, somebody. Jesus. He told stories better than anyone. Better than anyone. Here's what's really cool. Think about how we started this message. We talked about what, what is it hard? When is it hard to start a fire? Wet wood, when it's windy, when you cut down that, you know, that new tree and you try to burn it right away, it doesn't work. But here's what's really cool. If you think about it like this, if you have a fire already going and you go and you add that new wood to it, what happens? It consumes it. It burns it up, okay? If you go to that wet wood. How many know you can add a wet log to a dry fire that's burning? What happens to it? Burns up. But here's the coolest part. What happens when you have a big fire? For those of you that have been to California recently, you know this. You start that fire and that wind gets a hold of that fire. What happens to it? It spreads everywhere. It spreads everywhere. If you're good without me having to explain that metaphor, say, yeah. 
feed someone's faith fire this week, okay? So that their doubt fire can go out. Feed their faith fire. Now, I don't want you to, don't raise your hand, nothing like that this morning, but let me ask you this. For those of you who are absolutely petrified and scared to death of sharing your story, because some of you have come to me in the last four weeks going, ah, I don't know about sharing my story. Okay, let me give you just a couple keys that maybe would help. Do two things. First, don't, don't be like, I got to have all my words right and I got to have it all figured out. And I got it, you know, Bible says I have to have an answer. And all that, you know, you get so freaked out that you can't even share your story because you're so like scared of what am I going to have to say? Stop worrying about saying anything. Just live it. Just live it. You know what? When you have a big fire, people want to go see it. They go, man, what's going on? You know, we talked about Moses last week. Why is that bush not burning up? Why? What's different about that person? You become attractive. You know what? You're not even going to have to say anything. You know why? They're going to go, what's different about you? They're just going to come up to you. They're just going to go, tell me, what, what's your story? All of a sudden, people are going to talk to you, and you're going, what is happening here? I'm the introvert. Speaking from experience, okay? It will happen. The second part is this. Real easy. Invite them with you to church. Hey, come to church with me. I give you a commitment. Every single Sunday, we're going to share the love of Christ. We never have not done that at this church. That is a priority of this church. Do you agree with me? Say, yeah. I know full well... However, it's not about bringing them to church. It's about that invite. It's about them hearing the story because our church, it's not about the seating capacity. It's about the sending capacity. And we always have to realize that we're all sent, okay? We know that. We talk about that quite a bit here. Well, pastor, sounds a lot like evangelism. I'm not an evangelist. Okay, well, get over yourself. Um, very few of us are called to be evangelists, but every single one of us is called to evangelize. It's the first time in these five weeks that I even use that word evangelism because when we say that, man, we check out. Evangel- evangelism, I don't like evangel- evangelism. And I don't know about you, but I picture these like just freaky, weird people on the street corner with really long eyelashes for some reason. That's what I picture. All right? It's, it's, yeah, we'll just leave that there. So you go up to him, you invite him to church. Let me give you some real practical here. Hey, this, this, is, this is how to, okay? Hey, George, Bob, whoever you are. Hey, man, um, just love spending time with you. It's been great. You know, last night, you and me, we were, we were in the garage having a beer together. It was just a fun night. We just, man, it was so awesome. And just love hearing the story of your family and, you know, hanging out by the pool. It was just, it was just awesome. And uh, I love this. But, hey, you know what? Would you do something with me? I'm going to buy you lunch tomorrow, but all I'm asking, would you come to church with me first? George Barna, statistics says 85% of the time, they will say yes. That's pretty good rejection rate, you know? That's awesome. That's how to do it. Here's how not to do it. Hey, Bob, George, I know we're having a beer together. My pastor thinks I should probably invite you to church. I ain't going with you. (laughs) No. There's a reason these are your friends. There's a reason these are your family. Think of it like this evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's all it is. That's all it is. You have the answer. You have the keys that unlock that person's prison. You have that. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.